Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now, or if you've just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. We're so happy to have you here today. Uh, We have a really special guest today that Christina is going to introduce for us. So today we have Mariel Ancion. She is a psychologist who currently does work with first responders and those dealing with traumatic injuries. And she has done work in the past with Catholic Social Services, where she did a lot of work with parents and families. And she has seen a lot of the situations that all of us have been kind of talking about and and hearing about on the podcast so far. Uh, So Mariel, give us give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, and also that you are also a single mother. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Usually that doesn't go with my credentials as a psychologist. (laughs) Yeah, and I have no problem like putting that as part of my introduction. So before coming to Canada, I was a psychologist. Then I moved to Canada. I lost part of my identity with because I, you have to go through a whole process to register here. So I did that. I went back to school and then I registered uh, as a psychologist. And I worked for a while at Catholic Social Services with immigrant and refugees. And then I moved to working in the counseling pro- Mercy Counseling, which is the counseling program that tends to the community in general. And that's where I saw a lot of variety of uh, people needing counseling. Some of those would be for couple relationships and parenting and co-parenting after divorce. And I've worked with children as well, um, going through that experience. And in my process, like at the beginning of my career here, I specialize in cross-cultural counseling. And then I specialize in working with trauma. And that's where my passion is. I also have a really soft spot for working with children under five. That would be hard. I'm trying to imagine like an under five-year-old and like how to counsel them. Like, I know I'm a mom, but like I've never had any like super traumatic experiences for the kids at least that I would have to give them, you know, extra TLC. So I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like. So basically it's all through play, through attachment and relationships. So you have to have like the care main caregiver there in the session with you and you work on the attach and like creating that positive attachment and it's very healing and, and kids respond quite quickly. So it's really a pleasure to see kids move from one thing to another quite quickly when they have that support. That's really interesting, actually. Christina, what are you thinking? It looks like you got something on your mind. A little bit because my I was I was trying to do the math in my head because it actually my son was five when uh, my separation and divorce first started happening. And and you're absolutely right. At that age, they can't really fully articulate and express their feelings. 
right? It's not not like an older kid can. So my my daughter, who was um, nine at the time, was much more able to say what was on her mind and what she was feeling and all of that. But you're right, like at that age, that's not how they express and communicate how they're feeling. That's true. But they do understand emotions, like even like, the younger you are, the more your emotional brain is already developed. So you are processing emotion, but you don't have the cognitive ability to understand what's happening and to verbalize what's happening. So when you have that support from somebody through storytelling, through play, through um, attachment-based therapy, making sense of the experience for you, then it doesn't need to be a traumatic event for you in your life and later on. You can process it right then, right? And you can make sense of the experience and you can make sense of why this big change in my life. And it works. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, because we've, we've heard a little bit uh, on the podcast already about, you know, kids going through this. Tell us a little bit more about kind of the, what the adults go through. Because a lot of times as parents, we kind of, we kind of forget about ourselves in the whole process of, you know, well, we got to make sure the kids are okay and, you know, make sure that the kids have someone to talk to and help the kids process their feelings. And we kind of forget that we have a lot of feelings to process too. And sometimes just talking to friends and family is not enough. So tell us a little bit about when the right time, like when you know you should talk to someone and, and maybe is it just a given that you should talk to a professional after, after a separation divorce? Well, it depends how you're feeling and how you're processing because not everything needs to be traumatic and you don't always need to go to a professional, right? So if you have a good support system, as you were saying, talking to friends and family, sometimes that's all you need. How do you know? Because you are managing well, you are feeling well, you are processing well. Now, processing well and doing well doesn't mean that he, 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 ha, 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 I'm that you're laughing all the time or that you're happy all the time. <laughs> it is a difficult moment in your life, even if you know for sure, for sure, this is the best decision you could have made. Like, it's just like, this was not sustainable. It was not good for anyone. This is what needed to happen. Even when that is true, they're still grieving. They're still grieving, sometimes not necessary for that person because I miss this other person and I want this person in my life because you can be 100% sure that that's not working and that's why it ended. But I grieve the dreams and I grieve my hopes and I grieve everything that I imagine would be and is, is not. And understanding that is very important because you can make peace with yourself and with the experience you're going through, right? Otherwise, it can be very confusing. You say like, but I know I don't want to be with this person. I know I don't love this person anymore, or I know this person hurt me so bad. I know I don't want to be with them. Then why do I grieve? Why am I sad? It's like, well, because you had hopes and dreams, right? And you are grieving that. And so when you acknowledge that, it makes it easier. Another reason to seek professional help is when talking to friends and family is not helpful. And that might be different reasons. Like sometimes is. You don't want them to see your ex-partner, the other parent, as a bad person. And if I'm talking about all the bad things this person did to me and all the hurt, it's going to be really difficult, let's say, for my side of the family to be unbiased and not hate their guts. 
<laughs> I can understand that. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking of some really unhealthy ways that I coped with my split with both of my children's dads. So I'm trying to think in my head for our listeners as well, what are some healthy ways to cope with a split when it's happening? So something that is very healthy and helpful is to acknowledge everything that you're feeling and allow yourself to feel it. So give yourself permission to feel it. Give yourself permission to grieve. Give yourself permission to be happy. Because sometimes it's like, oh, no, this is so horrible. Uh, Like, I need to be sad all the time and I need to be quiet all the time. No, you can be happy too, right? So allow yourself to be 100% honest with yourself and acknowledge all those feelings. People sometimes are scared that if I start crying, it's never going to end. Or if I allow myself to feel this sadness or this anger or this whatever it is, it's never going to end. And actually, it's the other way around. It's when I don't acknowledge the feeling, when I try to push it away, when I avoid it, when I fight with it, it becomes louder and it becomes stronger, right? One way I like to explain it is feelings are like messengers. So if they come with a message, knock on the door, you open the door, listen the message, that's it. Done, end of the process, message can go. If you don't open the door, it becomes louder, right? And they start just banging on the door and then on the window and then breaks into your house. Like it just (laughs) brings like, you know. It's an avalanche. And so it becomes so much more intense and we get stuck with that feeling. Whereas if we just listen to it and acknowledge and validate and, It just makes sense. So an easy way to do that and very effective and very powerful is you take a deep breath in and as you breathe in, you just acknowledge, I feel furious. (laughs) And and so what? I feel furious. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Okay. And then you release and you breathe out. You don't fight it. You don't push it away. You just naturally, the same way that the air naturally leaves your body, you just breathe it out, right? And then you do that like, three to five times and then check. And then maybe you notice that actually I feel really hurt right now. So you acknowledge that I feel hurt. And so what? It makes sense. And then you do that three to five times, check again. And it's like, maybe I'm really, really sad. Like I want to cry. So you acknowledge that. Yeah. And you go like that. And and it doesn't take a long period of time for the feelings to just come and go, come and go, come and go and listen to what's happening. And that gives you a good insight of where you are. It teaches you to be loving and caring towards yourself. And it benefits everyone. You are better for yourself and better for others, like your kids or whoever needs you to be okay. That is such a great thing to like vocalize it out loud. And it's interesting you say that because I, I, I do that with my little guy. I feel so sorry for him. He inherited all of my big feelings poor little dude. So, so in him, like I see him struggling, like having the same struggles as me. And that's actually what I do for him. It's like, okay, identify what you're feeling. And I realize I don't do that for myself. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it clicked there when you were saying that I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Adults need that too. Cause sometimes we don't know how we're feeling or what we're feeling. That kind of leads me to another question. Like for those of us who do have big feelings as adults, 
you know, and, and when you do feel things, you feel things very deeply. Is it normal for it to take longer to process and get over something? Because I hear a lot of, not necessarily timelines, but like, are, are there kind of tendencies for people who do feel, feel things more deeply to need more time to get over things? Or is it situational? There's no timelines, really, because it depends on the complexity of what's going on with you. And it depends on how much you are allowing yourself to listen to what's happening and listening without judging it. I've seen people that they've been divorced for 20 or so years and things are fresh as if it happened yesterday. And they still hate the other person's gut and they still feel like, you know, you did this to me. And, and it's very dramatic and very strong and they cannot move on because they never did anything with those feelings. So it's not a matter of time. It's more, what do you do with what you're feeling? And that's why allowing yourself to feel and without judging it. Yeah, I feel, I feel hurt. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's so obvious. If there was no hurt at all, you would still be together. So there has to be something that went horribly wrong in that relationship, even if it's just, we just fell apart, we just drifted apart and we couldn't understand each other. We couldn't connect anymore. That still hurts. Even if I'm not blaming the other or blaming myself, it still hurts. So there's still some hurt there. So you acknowledge that and, and validate it for yourself. I allow myself to feel it, but I don't get stuck in it. When you understand that what you're feeling makes sense, then that on itself is helping you process. Uh, and the validation of the feeling is so important. And we often do that for our kids, but we might not be doing it for us, right? So we are better, not everyone, but lots of parents are good at noticing what your child is feeling. Let's say they, they, they were running and they trip and they hurt themselves and they are crying. And you say like, yeah, it makes sense. You hurt yourself. You, you know, we verbalize and, and yes, it makes sense that you are crying and it makes sense you are hurt. And that suits the emotion because it's like, yeah, mommy gets me. Yeah. Or daddy gets me. Right. So now I feel so much better because I feel understood and it helps with the emotion. We can do the same thing for ourselves instead of why am I feeling like that? I shouldn't be feeling this. I should be over it already. Why am I still? So when you have a lot of those why things, I always like to start where you are, right? So not jumping, but right where you are. And from there, you redirect somewhere else. So if you have a lot of those why questions, turn them to curious why instead of critical why. So still the same word, but instead of why am I feeling so angry? It's like, hmm. Why am I feeling so angry? <laughs> I, I like, like it. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And that shifts, like, so you start where you are. It's the same sentence. But now I'm curious about it. And so I check. So anger, usually it's about boundaries being broken, about hurt uh, towards myself and somebody I really care about. Is that need of protect and defend. I need to stop some behavior from happening. I need to stop the hurt from happening, right? So that's what anger is about. So it's like, well, is there any reason for me to feel that? Well, yeah, you know, this person kind of did this thing and did that thing. And I hate when they do that and they did it again. And now I feel like 
they don't consider me, they don't respect me, they don't respect my children, they are walking all over me or whatever it is, right? So once I identify what the problem is, I can use the anger to check, well, now I know that I feel angry because, let's say, they said they were going to drop the kids at 3 p.m. and they are dropping them instead at 2 and I'm not ready. Or it's 3.34 and I don't know where they are and not even a text or a phone call letting me know that they're going to be late. Okay, so what's the problem there? Why, what, why does that make me angry? Well, because I feel that they don't respect my time. Okay, can I do something about it? Maybe yes, maybe not, right? Because maybe it's like, yeah, I could say something. I could say, you know what? I expect you to blah, 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 to bring the kids on time, to do this. Like, I can do that. But sometimes, depending on how bad things are, that might actually play against me because it's like, oh, now they know how to push my buttons. <laughs> I know what to do. So if I say something, they're going to do it even more. So actually, it's not convenient for me to say anything. So now I'm going to choose not to say anything because that's how I get the best outcome. That makes me feel different now because now I am choosing not to say anything because that's what works best for me. So not because I'm a pushover, not because I have no options, not because I'm a victim, not because any of that. It's because I know that if I let them know that this triggers me, they're going to do it even more. So I'm not going to say anything. It's strategic now. And then I choose, well, what are my priorities? So what are my expectations? So one is priorities in terms of, for example, I want my kids to feel that I always want to have them with me. I don't want them to feel that we're fighting. If they feel that we're fighting for the time with them, I want them to feel that it's because we both want them, not because nobody wants them, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> and I have that so clear in my mind that then it's my free choice not to say anything that's going to sound like, I don't want to see you here, right? So it's like, oh, what a good surprise that you came early. And I might even voice it like, I'm not ready for you guys. So, oops. I guess we're going to have to do this. Or I was already missing you. If you want to say something, you can also choose not to say anything. But as long as you feel I am choosing my response, I am choosing what I think is right for me and what's right for my kids, it feels different because now the power is in me. I regain my power independently of what the other person does. Let's say I know that it's a pattern of behavior in this person to never be on time and do whatever they want. Of course, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anybody to like that. It's like, yeah, I cannot know what they're going to do. I people don't like it when everyone is late. I, you know. Right? It's so <laughs> relatable. It's like she's talking about me. I'm just like, okay, because I'm not late, but I know I've gone through someone always being late. And I was like, please be on time. Please, for the love, be on time. But no, it never worked. Okay, but, so this is the thing. But this is the thing. If I know and I change my expectation, because I'm going to feel bad when expectations and reality don't match, the farther apart they are, the more suffering, the more discomfort, this stressful emotion, however you want to call it. So if I know this is a pattern of behavior from this person, even if I know that they do it because they are controlling, they are abusive, they are uh, whatever I think they are, that's my expectation. So my expectation is they're not going to be on time. If they are on time, Whoops! Happy surprise! <laughs> <laughs> that, 
right? That's a win. But if they're not on time, it's just a normal thing. No big deal. And I don't, let's say they say, okay, I'm going to be there at 5 p.m. If I make plans expecting that to be the reality, then I'm setting up myself for failure, okay? Because I don't have control over what they are going to do. But I have control over what I want, I want to do. So I can set it up as I know that starting at five or around five, they might come and pick up the kids. But I still do my life as if nothing happens. Like I still keep planning. I, 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 I play. I do things. I plan things that are quite flexible. So there is no time constraints. It's really flexible and they can be interrupted anytime. So I plan for it. Now I'm back in control because I'm planning for the unpredictable and I'm planning to have that flexibility. So it doesn't bother me anymore that you are late or not as much. <laughs> it does work. It does. I can relate to that. I know I used to get really hung up if my daughter's dad would be late for drop-offs and that kind of thing. But now I'm just like, oh, it's gonna, he's gonna be late. Like, I just know, like, if he's on time, I'm like, I have to ask him, I'm like, what happened? You're you're on time, this is amazing. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm getting older, but we just laugh about it now. But yeah, I stopped letting it bother me as much. So I can definitely see what you mean about being flexible and that kind of thing. My question though, is if someone is, still struggling with, you know, figuring out how to do all that. Is there resources that you would suggest that might be helpful? I would say if you're struggling, like it's it's a good thing to go for counseling, like for yourself. Some people manage to go for counseling for co-parenting, but if you are able to do that, you're already doing pretty good. Because if you're really fighting, fighting, that's not going to fly. Uh, <laughs> so, but... For myself, like let's say I go for counseling for myself to process my own feelings, to have my own support for whatever I'm feeling that I'm stuck with, right? Like whatever the issue is. And also in how to deal with all this co-parenting stuff. And all the, the things that I find the most helpful is be aware of what's in your hands and what's not. I feel a lot of people get stuck when they are trying to control what the other one does and what the other one doesn't do. Chances are when you were together, you were not able to control what they did as a parent or what they did as a partner. What makes you think you can do now? <laughs> true. It's true. True story. Yeah. Yeah. You totally get into power struggles. I remember going through that, you know, and it was it was in me. I was totally the one trying to control the situation because the situation was out of my control. Yeah, I totally get that. You try and get this power struggle going, and you're right, it just it doesn't end well. It never ends well. It, it doesn't work because honestly, we don't have control over the other person and what the other person does. We we never do. We might have illusion that we can, but not really. So when you try to do that, then you can get stuck, right? Because it's like, I cannot do this and it's not working. And I and you can get sucked in all this drama. So it gets you out of the drama and out of that being stuck when you put emphasis on the part that you have control over. And you are responsible for your emotions. So you have control over that one. 
right? So you can work on that and you can work on this, what I was talking about, reality and expectations. So I can change my expectations. I can check what, how much I can do to change reality because I might take actions that change reality in a certain way, but there's limits to that. So whatever I cannot change with my actions, I change with my expectations to have more realistic expectations, not because I like the situation, it's just so I don't suffer. Which really in the end is what, what you want. You want to be able to take control over things for yourself so that you can be happier and you can, you know, have a healthy co-parenting relationship with your ex if that's what you need to or a healthy relationship with yourself. I love that. I really do. One thing about co-parenting where I notice a lot of couples, ex-couples, I would say, um, get stuck is when they want the other parent to parent in a certain way. It comes from a really good place because we love our children and we want the best for our children. And we're just so afraid that the other parent is going to damage my children. And you can be so hung up in the fear that I have no control and the other person is hurting them badly and I have no control. If there is abuse, that's a different story because now we're talking about other things, okay? Major things, you need intervention. That's not okay. You cannot allow kids to be in that situation. But if it's stuff that is different parenting styles or things that they say that you don't agree, you have more power than you're giving yourself credit for. Because the power that you have is to help your children process that and interpret that in a healthy way. And then you regain that sense of calm and peace and control because you're supporting your kid to say like, look, yeah, mommy said that or daddy said that. And you reframe that in a way that it makes sense for the child. Sometimes all it needs is like, yeah, there are different rules here and different rules there. So when you go to the other parent's house, those are the rules and these are the rules here. And this is how we do things here. And at school, you have different rules. And when you go to grandpa and grandma, you have different rules. And that's just the way it is. We all have different styles. And that's okay. And that's teaching them flexible thinking as well. And it gives me a sense of more control because now I know like I can help my child to have some filters. So this is not going to hit them in a bad way. They're going to know how to understand this comment or this behavior. Mom or dad said this horrible thing about you. You'll interpret that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, he or she was probably really angry like you know what so have you ever been so angry that you say some angry thing and you don't really mean it but you know you can say really nasty things because you are angry at someone so that happens to adults too and that's what's going on so you reframe it in a way that is not harmful to the child then you can go and fight with your <laughs> your ex <laughs> <laughs> I'm say, I'm like I'm about to throw hands at this man if he says something stupid but no I I love that that's such good advice and I was taking a lot from it too and I can only imagine the listeners like oh that makes so much sense why wasn't I doing that yet but I know for me a lot of that I can transfer into just positive reframing at the end of the day like it just it really makes a difference in how you parent and feeling like you still have control, even if they're not doing things maybe the way that you would have wanted it to happen. Yes. And I want to comment on what you just said, because we tend to do that. It's like, why didn't I do that? Okay. So you take the curious why and you check why. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I will. You curious wide, my dear. <laughs> I love it. I will. I will ask myself more curious wise from here on out. <laughs> and, and it's never fair to judge your past self with what you know today, right? Because we do the best that we can with how much we know today. So if you're going to say, if I were to tell you, okay, I want you to make decisions today with all the information you're going to have in a year from now, you're going to tell me you're crazy. How can I do that? But that's the same thing as judging your past self from a year ago, because you, you didn't know. You didn't have this information. You didn't know. You were not in an emotional place to know. You were, so it's not fair. I love that. I love that because, yeah, I think we are very harsh on ourselves looking back, you know, the hindsight is usually 2020, not always, but usually <laughs> it's 2020. And you're right, we can't, we can't put that pressure on ourselves at all. And I'm totally guilty of it. I, I am absolutely guilty of, of doing that. I'm in a situation right now where I'm, I'm doing that. I'm like, why didn't I think, you know, do more in this area or think more in this area? And it's, it's so easy to do that to, you know, put the blame on yourself for something, but you're totally right. You can't. So what would you say is the best advice that you would give someone who's recently gone through a divorce or a separation or even a most recent split? Maybe it's a newer relationship in their, you know, life that they've introduced as their kids have gotten older and they've started dating again and maybe they've broken up with someone. What kind of advice would you give someone going through a split? Be gentle with yourself. That's the very first thing, I think, because when we're going through that, oftentimes we have a little bit of a broken heart or a lot, depending how much we open up to love and how much we invested in that relationship, right? So the more you open up your heart, the more you can enjoy love, but also the more you take the risk of breaking your heart. So being gentle with yourself, that's probably what you need the most right, to heal from the hurt of that ending of that relationship. In that being gentle with yourself is kind of what are the lessons that I want to keep from this? Like, what did I learn? What was good about this? What do I keep? Right? So you keep the knowledge, you keep the lessons, and then you're more ready to let go of the pain, because they're both going to be present right? So the more I focus on what was good about it, I'm not in the sense of reminiscence of like, oh, I, I miss this so much, even though you might go there. Uh, but more in the sense that it was worth it, wasn't it? Like, I got to experience this, I got to take the risk of that. I learned this about myself, I discovered this about myself, I even if it's just like, I discovered that I'm capable of loving again, where I discover that I can love. Isn't that awesome? Like the capacity of loving is mine. And I didn't lose myself. And I didn't lose that part of me. It's still there. And sometimes you may have gained other things along the way. It's like, I learned that I can enjoy this, this or that. Or I learned that I have these qualities in a relationship. Or I learned this valuable thing about myself. So you keep all those things, right? It was worth living this experience because it brought this and this and this to my life. I also acknowledge that right now it's hard. And 
that I miss having somebody with me. So the more you acknowledge what's really going on, like if I'm suffering, if I'm crying, if I feel sad, if I feel heartbroken, it's because there's something that I really want, I really desire, and I feel in the absence of it right now. So I can focus on the absent and absence and feel miserable, or I can focus on what that's reflecting the other side of the coin, and that is my desires. I really want this in my life. And that's a good thing to want, isn't it? Like, I really want love in my life. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good thing. And I feel really sad that I don't. Yes, I do. And what does that mean? That means that I still want it. That means that um, I'm going to take my time to heal. I'm not going to jump right away in a different relationship. And the reason i want not going to do that is not because, ooh, so bad, why are you going to do that? But because if I haven't taken the time to heal, then chances are I haven't learned my lessons. And then chances are I'm going to leave the same story again, just with a different person. So if I want to change the script, then I need a little bit of time to process what happened, keep all the learning, keep growing what the clarity about what I want. This is what I want. And I have more clarity now than I had before. Because thanks to this experience, now I know that I don't want this, this, and this. And I do want this, this, and that. And every time you know something you don't want, then it's like, okay, so what's the opposite of that? What, what do I want, right? What I do want, right? So I don't want somebody who yells at me, okay? Fair. So what do I want? I want somebody who's really nice to me. I want somebody who really loves and respects me. I want, you know, all the good stuff that we want. So we have that increased clarity. So now I know what to look for. I keep the lessons. And I give myself time. I kind of think about the script. What is the story I want to live? Then I can start doing the casting. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yes. I love it. Yes. 100%. Hundred percent. That's I love that term. That's what I'm. I feel like that's what I should put on a dating profile. Casting call. Here's what we're looking for. I don't know if you're <laughs> gonna get what you want out of that, there, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never know if that I would advertise that, but it's just more like the internal process of saying, like, okay, now I know what I want, and let's see if I can find somebody that's a good match to that. Not with a checklist, but if you are in the process of being ready to, let's say, date again, it's good to focus on what do I want to experience in a relationship? So more than I want somebody who is A, B, C, D, like all these checklists, and then it's like my supermarket checklist and really hard to find, right? It's more like I want to feel this way. I want to experience this. I want to be able to have this kind of lived experiences. And then that might come in different shapes or forms. So not necessarily a a checklist, but more of a, not a vision, but a, I'm very much a kind of write things out kind of person, because that's, for me, that's how I process my big feelings and and my experiences and things like that, I do sometimes default to a list of things that I want. So what, is, what I'm hearing you say is it's not, 
it's not necessarily an itemized list, but it's more because you do you do kind of want to have a sense of qualities of people that that you want to have in another person. But what I'm hearing you saying is that shouldn't necessarily be the focus. It's how you are going to experience that relationship. Is that right? Yeah. So you can still have a list. If, if, and if that's helpful, that that's great. Like, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is like what you put in your list. So because let's say I say I want somebody who is uh, smart. Why do you want that? Oh, because I want to be able to have very interesting conversations. I want to be able to talk about anything and everything. I want somebody who is going to um, value what I can process intellectually, and that's important to me. Now I'm talking about what I want to experience, right? Because somebody could be really smart and not have very interesting conversations with me. And somebody could be very smart and be a jerk. That's why I say, like, it's more about, and, and I can still have a list, but it's like, I want to feel free. I want to feel that I can be fully myself. I want to feel that I can expand my wings and the other person just feels so much enjoyment with me being me. I want to be able to laugh. I want to be able to enjoy daily life. I want to be able to feel that I can trust this person. I want to be able to feel that I I'm a support person for them and they're a support person for me or I want to be able to feel that uh I don't know like like you're that- like you're a priority for them that they you connect on a heart to heart level. So so what yeah. I'm hearing you saying is yes have your list of qualities but the focus should be more about how those qualities will positively impact you and help you to have kind of the best relationship out of it. Is that going a a layer deeper like the first layer would be let's say I want somebody who is like really handsome or pretty or whatever okay why do you want that so you go to the next layer it's like because I want to feel attracted to my partner that's important to me so now I'm not talking about how they need to look physically now I'm talking about I need to be attracted I need to find them really attractive okay so now that's something that yeah, that's fair to look for, right? But it opens up the possibility. It's not about the hair color or the height or the body shape. It's somebody that I find attractive, right? Or is somebody that I can talk to or is somebody that I can trust or is somebody that loves me unconditionally and I feel just so good when I'm around this person. Somebody that I can connect so well. Is somebody that loves my kids, and somebody that, you know, makes me feel this, this and that, right? So I'm going to the next layer of why do I want this quality? Like what's what I really want, right? So I'm going deeper. It's like the ultimate experience. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. It's like you want the ultimate experience. Yes. I, I love this. I love this process of constantly asking why it's like like you said like you kind of get to the next level it's like okay well this this is why and I like the idea of well is there maybe another layer of why underneath I'm what I do for a living I'm, I'm a videographer I am all about the why why are we doing this why do you feel passionate like that is that's actually a big question for me in my line of work and it's kind of interesting that I seem to have difficulty applying that to my personal life <laughs> It happens. (laughs) (laughs) It really does. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mary. Like we're we're so so grateful you came on to talk about this because this is something that res- I know resonates with a lot of parents and and us as well. And uh, for all of you, stay tuned for an upcoming episode where Mariel shares her own story and her own journey of being a single parent because uh, we're all about solidarity in this community here. Uh, so stay tuned for her story uh, coming up. And Mariel, thanks again so much for coming to join us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're we're all all in this together. together.